are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Um, the Lord's been showing me uh, over the last little while here the importance of the heart. You know, we sang that song this morning, Inside Out. Uh, we've been talking about the heart, and it really is blowing me away. Like, you know what, we can, we can put on whatever, whatever mask we want. We can stand in that place and, and just say, you know what, this is who I am, and we can try to sell ourselves as an amazing product. But the truth of the matter is, is the Holy Spirit sees our heart, and he knows our, our hidden motives and our hidden agendas. You know what, one of the Lord's prophets, Samuel, was told by the Lord to go to Jesse's house. And when he went to Jesse's house, uh, he was told that he was going to anoint the next king. So he says, Jesse, get your sons, line them up, and I'm going to anoint the next king. So he goes over the sons, and as soon as he sees Eliab, he says, you know what, that's going to be the next king. Because he's strong, he's tall, he's big, he's very kingly. So the Lord, as soon as he thought that, the Lord spoke to him and convicted him and said, Samuel... See, you are judging that by the outward appearance. You're judging that by the eyes, but the Holy Spirit, God, sees by the heart. And that is not going to be the next king. So he goes through all the sons, and it's like, no, 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 until he finally gets to the last one. It's like, no, he's like, God, what's going on? He turns to Jesse and says, is this all your sons? And Jesse says, well, there's one more, but he's out looking after the sheep. He's he's the run to the family. You, You don't want David. And then he says, you know what? Go get him. We will not sit down until he comes and we anoint him as king. My friends, there are so much hidden things in this room. Holy Spirit has put promises into our hearts that haven't come into fruition. God knows who you are. It doesn't matter whether you've been acknowledged by by someone. It doesn't matter whether you've been lifted up or mentored by an amazing man of God. When God speaks it, it's going to happen. And we can sit in that place and say, God, would you, just, would you just look inside my heart, God? Would you examine my heart, mold it and shape it, and help me to be the man or the woman that you created me to become? I don't want to miss your presence by even the smallest of margins. Isaiah 58 is the, sh- is the fasting chapter, and as we're getting ready to step into a corporate fast, it starts out with shout. With the voice of trumpet blast, shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet the act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of God. They ask me to take action on their half, pretending that they want me to be near. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? You have, uh, you, have been very, we, uh, you have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice. I will tell you why I respond. It's because you're fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fast will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds, bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think that this will please the Lord? My concern is that this is, I think, our third, maybe our fourth annual corporate fast. That it becomes something that is just something that we do in January. 
It becomes just like, okay, pastor, here we go. It's got the fast. Give me my one day. I'll do my fast to say that I did it, and then I'm done. My friends, God looks at the heart. If you walk in that place with that attitude, it's just like, let's get this done. Let's just do it. As we can see Israel, uh, year after year, they fasted and sought the Lord. And he says, you know what? You, look, you act so pious. You think you're fasting for me? Fasting will bring breakthrough. Fasting will bring that next mighty move of God. But yet it's up to our hearts. Are we fasting because we earnestly want to seek him? Or are we fasting with a hidden motive and a hidden agenda? Have you ever done something in your life that, that you really didn't want to do, but you did it anyways because you felt like you had to? You know, I remember when I was in Clairview, I was a youth pastor in Clairview, and, and again, Clairview, the, the area that I was at was a very low-income, very uh, difficult place to be able to pastor. And um, quite often, uh, people of the, the, of the church move from apartment to apartment to apartment because of, you know, they, they, they would run out of finances and they would look for something a little bit cheaper or they would move to a government-subsidized housing and then something would happen and they were just moving all the time. And, 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 and pretty much all the time, my phone would ring, hey, pastor, can you help me give a move? Because I was, I was big and strong. I was kind of like, hey, you'd be a great guy to lift my piano. And I'm like, oh, I hate moving. And it seemed like I was doing it all the time. And I remember one specific phone call. I answered the phone, hello. And it's like, hey, Pastor Lance, how's it going? I'm like, doing really good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Listen, what are you doing on Saturday? I'm like, ah, not too much. Why? He says, great, I'm moving. I need you to help me. I'm like, I got set up. I hate those calls. What are you doing? Nothing. Great, you're going to help me move. You know, it's like, oh, I just said I'm doing nothing. What is my out? So I show up to this, this, this couple's house, a new, young married couple, and I went into the house at like 7 o'clock in the morning or whatever time we were starting, and one of the board members came up to me and says, Pastor, they really need you. I know how much you hate moving, but they really need you. So I showed up there at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I went in, and nothing was packed. And I'm like, are you serious? I thought we were going to load the U-Haul, get her done, be done, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning, be done by 3 in the afternoon. But No. There's this massive mess now, and they're like, yeah, you know, I just didn't really have an opportunity to be able to pack, so we'll get you guys to help us pack first, and then we'll move it out of there. And, like, it was crazy. I, I, you know, they, 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 they took a bunch of garbage bags and would open up the kitchen knife drawer and just dump it into a garbage bag and say, take that one to the truck. I'm like, I'm not taking that to the truck. Have you ever been there? When we fast, if our heart is not right, okay, God, I guess if you're, I guess if you're asking me to do it, I'm feeling, I'm feeling set up, I might, as well, I might as well just do it, get her done, I think we're going to miss exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to deliver to our church and to you as individuals and families. You know, there's a book I attempted to read. It was called God at War. Probably the most difficult book I ever read in my life. Every third word I had to stop and look it up in the dictionary. It was written by some doctor. Chapter one was 86 pages. But the whole book talks about, talks about that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. And over in Africa, in some of these cultures, every time something goes wrong, they believe that there's a demon. You know, you get up and you stub your toe, it's like, oh, there's a demon after me this morning. And they kind of go after this kind of stuff, which is crazy. But yet on North America, it's just as crazy because we don't think there's any demonic presences here. 
You know, all of a sudden we, we walk in sickness or something happens. It's just kind of like, well, it's just, I guess it's the flu that's going around. I, I guess it's just, you know what, it's just the way that it goes. It's just life. My friends, it's time for us to wake up and realize that we are soldiers in an army. Realize that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. You know, all of a sudden someone comes up to you, and you know what, we've all had it done. Someone comes up to you, and they go up one side of you and down the other. It's just kind of like, wow, where did that come from? See, immediately what the, 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 the spirit man, the, the, the person will do is it, we pick up a fence. We get to that place where it's just kind of like, you know what, I can't believe they said that. Who do they think they're talking to? They're, they're just a loser. And we get mad, and we get upset. But yet if the Lord says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, we have to realize that there's a spirit behind that that is trying to uh, release a spirit of offense into our life where all of a sudden we're, we're trapped. Jesus is our example. He taught us to fast. Paul fasted. Peter fasted. Moses, Elijah, Samuel, Daniel. The list goes on and on. During a fast, especially if you've never done it before, there's a few things that you really should know. You know what? Number one is you're going to probably around day two get a wicked headache. It's okay. You're not going to die. It's the body detoxifying itself. Especially if you're a coffee drinker and you, and you drink lots of caffeine, it's the body just getting rid of the, the, the caffeine. You know what? All kinds of things are, you're going to feel tired, sluggish. You may need, require a little bit more rest during a fast. It's okay. There's something supernatural about just even resting in his presence. God is calling us. You know what? When, when we say, Lord, I want, I want you to, in my heart, God, I want you to take my life. You know what? He requires everything of us, not just a part of it. He wants to kill you. Where all of a sudden it's not about me, it's not about my life, it's about God. What do you have for me, Lord? That's what I want to do, God. I want to be so on fire for you, Lord. If you're here this morning and you have health issues, you know what? Don't step into a fast because I'm telling you to. Ask your doctor. Say, doctor, I'm wanting to take a fast. And, you know, we need to know that because all of a sudden people who uh, have some kind of a medical condition and the doctor say don't do it, unless you're directed by the Holy Spirit, he says do this, then you know what? You do it. But you walk in that place and just say, you know what? Maybe you can just abstain from sweets. Abstain from something else to say, God, I'm in, Lord. Would you just prepare me for this? But this morning, I'd like to take a look at three of nine reasons for fasting. I believe that this morning, this will bring encouragement to your spirit as we prepare ourselves for our extended fast. Mark 9, 28 to 29 says, And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, This kind cannot come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. See, here we have a story about the disciples. And you know what? The disciples are following Jesus, and Jesus is teaching them what to do. And all of a sudden, this demonic presence, this this man comes up with a son who's demonically possessed, and he says, I need your help. So they pray against this, this demonic presence, and nothing happens. And they're like, we've never seen this before. Lord, why is this not happening? And in the, in the private, the Lord says to them, you know what, guys, this one here, it's a tricky one. It's a tough spirit. It only comes out through prayer and fasting. We know that the disciples weren't fasting because what, um, uh, John the Baptist's disciples were upset because his disciples weren't fasting. And he said to the John the uh, Baptist's disciples, he says, there's going to be time for fasting. Right now they're with me. 
And there's time for that. It's coming. The disciples' fast frees us from addiction or besetting sins or paralytic sins. There's, there are things in our lives which we just cannot shake. Isaiah 58, 6 says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? See, when you fast, you're doing a spiritual inventory to see if there's anything inside that would grieve Holy Spirit. For remember, our body truly is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Without prayer and fasting, it's too easy to become loose regarding sin and allow compromise to enter into our life. You know, what I remember as I, I was a teen and, and, and I, was, I was starting to get in that place where I, I got saved in grade 10 and I was starting to get in that place where it's just like, you know, I wanted more from the Lord. I wanted more from the Lord. And the Lord called me to go to Bible college. And I'm like, I'm not going to go to Bible college because a youth pastor only makes 18000 a year. And I'm not going to do that, Lord. Forget it. So I went to business college, and I, I, I majored in marketing, and that really was my Jonah year. And it was amazing how in college, how all of a sudden I started to allow compromise in my life. And it just, you know, you just sort of, you just sort of say yes to certain things, and then before you know it, you're way off in the, off in the distance. You're like, how did I get here? I used to be so hungry for the Lord, but now I'm here. And it's just like all of a sudden we wake up one day and said, how did this happen? You know how it happens? By allowing small compromises into our life. We need to stop in that place and say, God, I need you to check my heart, God. Lord, I need you to see where I am right now because, God, I don't want to ever go back there again. But, God, I want to stay so hot. I want to stay so hungry for you. You know, without prayer and fasting, it's too easy to become loose. It would be like if I, if, I, if I said to my son, who I love my son so very much, but he's six years old, and because I love my son, I said, here's the keys to my truck. Go ahead, man. Have a good time. That wouldn't be wisdom. In our spiritual lives, we need to walk in wisdom. We need to step in that place and say, God, what's going on here, Lord? Am I good? Are we good? Is there anything in there, Lord Jesus? And you know, I, I, I find that even the closer you get to God, the Lord is always revealing stuff that is in your heart that he says, now, son, I want you to give me this. See, I think when people uh, uh, walk in that place and they accept Christ as their personal Savior, all, all of a sudden, uh, we, we, we get this, this, this thing of rules. We can do this, we can't do that because we're Christian now. It's, it's not about that. It's not about what we can and what we can't do. You see, the, the, the Bible gives us some amazing choices, and when we choose not to follow what the Word of God says, there's consequences. We reap what we sow. And all of a sudden, when, when all this stuff comes crashing down upon us, and we say, why am I here? It's like, well, look at the choices that you've made. You know, it, 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 it's simple. But if we make the Word of God and we seek the, the, the face of the Lord and say, God, I want what you want for our life, the, the Word gives us such a, 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 an amazing journey into freedom. This morning I'd like to read Hebrews 12, 1-3 from the message. I really like the way that the message writes this. It says, do you see what this means? All the prisoners who blazed the way, all the veterans cheering us on, it means better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no paralytic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was heading. The exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. 
And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God, where you find yourselves flagging your faith. Go over that story again, item by item. The long list of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. You know what? One of the most saddest things I dealt with as a youth pastor, and I absolutely hated it, is I spoke with so many teens who were just so uh, 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 trapped, addicted to something. And as you counsel them and as you pastor them and, and as you have altar calls, they would come up and they would seek the Lord and say, God, set me free, Lord. Lord, would you just loose me from this? But then they'd find next week that they're falling again and again and again and again. You know what? This morning, honestly, have you been there? I've been there. It's like, God, is your power not big enough, Lord? Lord, is my, is my prayer not strong enough, God? Because I, this, this in my life, I hate it. And God, I want to be set free. God, I've spent time on my face. I've cried. I've sought you, Lord Jesus. But yet I find myself falling time and time again. Why? You know why? Because we use willpower. And when we choose, okay, that's it. I'm not going to do that anymore. My resolution this year is to stop doing this. My resolution is to go to the gym and lose some weight. It becomes a willpower issue. But when we fast, we seek the Lord and we press in. We say, God, I can't do this on my own, Lord. God, I am so bound up, God. And Lord, I want to be free. That's when the Lord says, who the Son has set free is free indeed. You know what? It's amazing how, how even now, you know, um, I, I went to my wife here about, about uh, two months back or so, and I just said, Cindy, the Lord in prayer showed me a root in my life that is not from him. And Cindy, I want you to pray with me through this. And we prayed and we sought the face of God and it broke. And the chains fall off. It's like, God, it is amazing when we walk in freedom. It is amazing how free we can be when it's just kind of like, Lord, this is so awesome what you're downloading to my spirit. My friends, that freedom is for every single one of us in this room. You know what? If you struggle with something over and over and over and over again, I don't hold judgment against you. But I say freedom is for you this morning. Fast. Pray. Seek the Lord. Come against that besetting sin. That paralytic sin. If we try to break uh, free of sin using willpower, we're just setting ourselves up for a fall. We earnestly must target that sin and say, God help, I need freedom. Habitual sin enslaves people. They're not people who are close-fisted or walking in rebellion towards the Lord, but they're people who are broken, helpless, and they want to be right before God, but they feel trapped. See, Satan would love you to believe this morning a lie. He would love you to believe that you could never, ever be free. That you're a hypocrite. That there's no hope for you. You know what? Again, we've been speaking about hope here. And that whole Bob Jones thing in 2012 says, you know what? The person who has hope will be okay in 2012. Don't let the devil steal your hope. Because if he steals your hope, there's no, there's, no, there's no end. There's no chance for resolve. But when we walk in that place and say, God, you have given me hope, Lord, and I ask that it flourish in my life. 
No matter what we face, we know that God is bigger. No matter what comes our way, we know that it's just, a, it's just a, an issue. It's just, a, it's just a small, piffy thing because God is bigger. Faith dethrones the flesh. We can target that sin and say, Lord, I want to be free. Your word says who the Son has set free is free indeed. You know what, my friends? Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to be partially delivered. He paid the price so you could truly walk in freedom. Let's target that sin for 21 days. Give God a chance to release freedom upon you. The next fast is the Ezra. We see this in chapter 8 of Ezra. It deals with great problems. Ezra had a financial problem that he didn't know how to deal with, and it was, uh, he was having a hard time. Turn to your neighbor this morning and says, the Ezra fast deals with hard times. How many of you have gone through a hard time? How many of you have walked in a financial problem? All right? The Bible says in John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. When trouble comes to you, you don't need to panic. You don't need to fret or stew. What you need to do is press into God's goodness. See, Ezra was given 7,500 pounds of gold and 24 tons of silver to take back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. The only problem was between him and Jerusalem. The Bible says were robbers and thieves, and he had a whack of money, and he didn't know how to get through safely. Man, imagine you're carrying 20, what was it, 24 tons of silver and 7,500 pounds of gold? How do you hide that? You know, I remember my very last trip to the Ukraine was a very difficult trip for me. And as I went to the, the Ukraine, I had 16 teenagers, and I had three leaders, and um, the, 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 the leaders that I had were a husband and wife team who Cindy and I just, they were our, our best friends in Calgary. We just loved them so much. And they also were unable to have children. And we prayed with them and prayed with them and prayed with them until one day, naturally, the Lord just gave them a child. She was five months pregnant, and, I, and I said, when, when we were getting ready to go to the Ukraine, I said, are you sure you want to go? Like, uh, are you okay with this? She goes, yeah, I talked to my doctor. We're clear. Let's go. I said, okay. So we went down, and when we flew from Edmonton to Germany, she started having some cramping and stuff. And she said to me, and she says, you know, I'm just not feeling the best. I'm getting some cramping. I'm like, are you all right? She goes, yeah, I just need to, I just need to walk. We've been sitting for, uh, on the plane for nine or 13 hours or whatever it is from here, uh, from here to Germany. And I said, okay, and then we got from there, we flew into the Ukraine, and then we drive from the Ukraine into a, a really a third world, small, isolated uh, community. And when we got in there, uh, she started having labor pains. And she went to the hospital there, and when she went to the hospital, they said, this baby's coming, and we can't stop it. So they rushed her off to the city, to the city hospital, and for about four or five days, I was, I was going back and forth working at the youth camp, dealing with 16 teenagers who were all upset because their leaders were going through what they were going through, and I was dealing with, with them in the hospital. But what I quite often I did is, is I would use an, a money belt that would go around, sort of like an underwear belt type of thing. And I would always, they, again, it's sort of like a third world place. And they didn't take cre uh, uh, credit cards. They wouldn't take uh, uh, traveler's checks. It was cash only. So I, I was carrying the whole team's money. We had to pay for the food for the camp. We had to pay for everything in the, the camp itself, for lodging, all that stuff. So I was carrying in our underwear belts $15,000 American. 
and I had five on me, and then the, the gentleman who I was with, I gave him five, and his wife, I gave her five. And then when I went in, the first day when she goes to the hospital, I, I go into the hospital to see how they're doing. And I just, I just happened to look out of the corner of my eye, and I saw her money belt sitting on the tear in the, in the waiting room. And I grabbed the belt, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, there was 5000 bucks sitting open in the, in the waiting room. So I grabbed that, and I put that money in my, in, in my belt. So how much money do I have now? 10 Gs, Okay. So I go, into, I go into the city and I start working with this couple here and, and, and the baby came and she lost the baby. And the doctor said to me, he says, you know what, I need you to go to the pharmacy and pick up some gauze. Again, it's very different than, than here. So I said, it's, it's, it's 11 o'clock at night, what pharmacy is open? And they're like, oh yeah, all the pharmacies are 24 hours because again, if, if you go into the hospital and you need a bandage or you need supplies or you need anything like that, you gotta go to the pharmacy and buy it and then bring your own supplies to, to get healed with. So I said, okay. So I, I, I walked out and, the, and as I was walking out, the guy says to me, he says, you know what, pastor? We're not gonna come back and join the team. I said, I totally understand. He says, here's my money and he gives me 5,000. So how much money do I have in my pocket? 15 grand, okay? And I'm walking outside at 11 o'clock at night downtown Ukraine there in, in, in uh, a place called, uh, I don't even remember what it was, the city. But um, as I'm walking out there, I'm just feeling danger. And, and I said to my interpreter, I said, let me ask you a question. Is this a, a safe place? She says, oh no, pastor. This is a very, very dangerous city. And she says, in fact, last, last week in this city, a cabbie was killed for five bucks that he had on his pocket. I said, okay. I said to her then, I said, and I, honestly, this is exactly what I said. I, my next question, I looked at her, I says, let me ask you a question, yeah? Do I look like I fit in here? Or do I look like a tourist? She goes, pastor, you look like a rich American. I'm like, oh, man. God, help. <clears throat> Have you had problems come into your life? Have you had problems hit your family? You see, I think, I think even in the church, we don't know how to face problems. You know, quite often we... We walk in that place in, in, in our marriage, and when a problem comes in our marriage, we just say, you know what, I'm done. I can't, I can't, I can't live with you anymore. All of a sudden, problems come in our, into our family with our children. It's just kind of like, you know what, you're on your own. My friends, God has given us the gift of fasting. We need to be the spiritual priests of our homes where we fall on our face before God and say, God, help. Help, Lord. Because, Lord, I can't allow this to happen in my family. I can't allow this to happen in my marriage. Lord, would you strengthen me? Would you give me wisdom? John 10.10 says, The thief purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. Ezra had a financial dilemma. He could have been worried, lost sleep, but instead he called a fast. Ezra 8.23 says, So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us, and he heard our prayer. You know what? Does anyone have trouble? Anybody have a financial dilemma? Guess what? God cares about it, and he has a plan to bless you where we become the head and not the tail. 
As Ezra prayed and fasted, God gave him a solution during the fast. God knows, pardon me, God knows that you have a financial need. And when you honor the Lord through tithes and offerings and you seek God in a fast, what do you think God's going to do? He's going to bring forth a solution to your dilemma in 2012. I declare that God's got the solution to every single need in this room. The last fast that I want to look at this morning is the Samuel fast. 1 Samuel 7, 5 says, Then Samuel told them, Gather all of Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah, and a great ceremony drew water from a well and poured it out before the Lord. They also went without food all day and confessed that they had sinned against the Lord. You know, confession is so important. This is a fast for a national revival, for the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of the Lord, and it had been stolen. See, if you don't remember the story, Eli was the priest at the time. And Eli was a, a priest who was really just sort of lackadaisical. His sons were very wicked men, and he allowed it to happen. The Bible says that he was a fat man. In fact, he was so fat that he fell off his stool, and he broke his neck, and he died. His daughter-in-law knew that the ark of the Lord had been stolen, and she was distraught about that, and she was getting ready to birth a child. News they, them came back that her husband and her brother-in-law had passed away during the battle. And then hearing that, that's when Eli passed away by falling off the chair. She figured that there was no hope, so she named her child Ichabod, which means, where's the glory? For she said, Israel is gone. She named, him the, uh, she named him Ichabod because the ark of the God had been captured and because her father-in-law and husband were dead. Then she said, the glory has departed for Israel for the ark of God has been captured. See, Eli's daughter-in-law named the firstborn child after the ark was taken, Ichabod, meaning the glory of the Lord has departed. Today, I believe many people live as Ichabod. They go to church week after week. They love God but we don't walk into an intimate relationship with the Lord. You know what? One of the saddest verses in the whole Bible for me, and I, 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 really, I really hate this, 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 uh, this verse, is Judges 16.20. She then cries out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as I did before and shake myself free, but he didn't realize that the Lord had left him. See, Samson was a man who was the strongest man ever. And he told Delilah the secret of his strength was his hair, and she cut off his hair. And then the Philistines came, and he jumped up to fight the Philistines, just thinking, you know what? It's just hair. It's not about God. It's about me. I'm strong. And when he attacked the Philistines, he realized that the glory of the Lord had left him. We need in Cold Lake to fast for an atmospheric change where he can break us down, download to our spirits, when, it, when we can uh, cry out in a heavenly language for a revival spirit to revive us once again. My friends, I think Cold Lake needs that. When someone from the street walks in and they walk into the, the back doors there, I pray that they are totally submerged in the manifest presence of the Lord. You know, the sermons are good. You know, it's kind of like, hey, that was a good word, pastor, way to go. Worship, man, it's good worship. That's a good, good team up there. But without the presence of the Lord, it's just words and it's just music. There's nothing that I can say that will change anybody. There's nothing that Gordy can play that will cause people just to, 
to, to, to draw close to his presence. It's the presence of God that says, God, I don't care if it's Gordon, the whole team up there, or Lord, if it's someone playing a banjo. God, I want your presence. God, I, I need you, God. You know what? It's not about perfection. Life is real. Life is dirty. Life has its ups and downs. But when we have that heart that says, God, I don't care what happens. I want you first and foremost. That's when God says, son, daughter, let's go. I got great things for you. The, uh, in uh, 1 Samuel uh, 7, when the Philistines' rulers had heard that Israel had gathered at Mizpah, they mobilized their army in advance. The Israelites are seeking God. They're fasting and praying. Now, remember at the beginning, I told you sometimes when you fast, you don't have the strength that you may have when you, uh, when you have food. Okay, that's a fair, fair assumption. Do you realize that the army attacked them during their fast? That's not fair. Guess what? The devil's not fair. The Israelites were seeking God, fasting, praying, and the Philistines heard what they were doing, so they mobilized and attacked. When you're on a fast, don't expect the devil to come up and congratulate you. Way to go. So proud of you. Man, this is awesome. Fasting actually will aggravate the devil. It stirs him up, but be encouraged you're on the right track. For when all of a sudden your world gets turned upside down, you say, wait a minute. I'm on, the two, I'm on day two of fast. It must be working. It is. See, the devil doesn't want you to receive your victory. It's coming. He's going to try to distract you. All of a sudden, that headache comes. It's like, oh, man, that, oh, I just can't take this headache. Or all of a sudden, you know, man, in my body, I get cramps. I, I, was, I was sitting there laying on the couch uh, the other night with Cindy, and I'm sitting there, we're, we're, we're sitting there watching a movie. All of a sudden, I'm like, ah! And I get this Charlie horse thing in my gut, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm going to die. You, you know what I think almost every fast that I go on, every fast that goes into my mind. You know what it comes into my mind? I start to get this pain in the back of my, my, my back. And I'm like, my kidneys are shutting down. I need, I need to eat something right now because I don't want to die. What good is a dead pastor? My friends, you're not going to die. You're going to make it. But the enemy is going to want to throw you off track right at the very last hour. How long should I fast for? It's a 21-day fast. Are you, you expecting me to go 21 days without food? Seek the Lord. I'm not telling you. Whatever the Lord has for you and your family, you say, you know, God, here I am, God. I'm willing. And now as you're preparing your body for the fast, don't think that it's going to be easy. The last thing the enemy wants you to do is pressing into God's presence. And during the fast, there's going to be so many opportunities for you to be able to break it. Don't stop when you're so close to your breakthrough. I'm going to ask Ray to come up, and I, Ray told me a, a fun story about when he was getting ready for a fast. I just thought he could share it this morning. So bless you, Ray. And the microphone is over on my chair. Working? Ah, oh, there we go. 
I guess before giving a testimony on fasting, I should tell you how much I love food. Um, I love food, and, and uh, you can ask my beautiful wife over there, Melanie, um, Cindy, Lance, everyone knows I love food. But I guess the best way to illustrate how much I love food is the last three uh, Cold Lake Community Church corporate fasts have ended the same way. They've ended in Edmonton at Breakforth. If you haven't been to Breakforth, I encourage you to go. But they've ended with my wife and I in a parking lot at Burger King where I've had a double Whopper with a double Whopper cheese and bacon, heavy all-no tomato, poutine combo, and then we go to Moxie's and then have a white chocolate brownie and laugh for 30 minutes in the parking lot because I haven't had sugar in my body for so long. So I love food, and <clears throat> I guess you rewind to three years ago when I did my first Cold Lake Community Fast, um, corporate fast for 21 days. I was excited. I'm sure like most of you are here. And I was prepared. I went shopping. I was doing a Daniel fast so you can only eat fruits and vegetables. And I, I had my little calendar up on the, on the fridge. And I was really excited. But I was really naive because it was something I didn't think about, something that we all share. And that's that we, that we have a common enemy. And so I went to work. And uh, somebody showed up late for work. And what do you bring when you're late for work? You bring donuts. Not any donuts. You bring Tim Hortons donuts, right? Not a problem for me. You know why? I don't like Tim Hortons donuts. I eat Sobeys donuts, and they're half-priced on Thursday and delicious. And if you haven't had one, go after service today. They're great. I eat Sobeys donuts, but he didn't bring Sobeys donuts. No, he decided to bring, for 40 people, sausage and egg McMuffins. Who does that? No one does that. That's ridiculous. 40 sausage and egg with hash browns. And I love breakfast sandwiches. Okay, I love them. In fact, I taught Pastor Lance how to order a breakfast sandwich. Right? When you go to Tim Hortons and they say, oh, I'd like a belt. They say, do you want ham, bacon, or sausage? You say, Yes. And they put all three on there. And Pastor Lance goes, you can get all three meats? I said, you can get it between two honey crullers if you want. You're a consumer. You can do whatever you want. So I loved Egg McMuffins. And, of course, that day, the Egg McMuffin Day, was also our pizza lunch. So I was like, oh, wow, thank you, Satan. This is great. <laughs> so what I want to convey to you is that Satan doesn't want you to fast. He doesn't want you to succeed at your marriage. He doesn't want you to get up early to go to church. He doesn't want you to be a good dad. And he doesn't want you to be a good spouse. He doesn't want that. I once read that if you want to see the power of Satan, move to where God wants you to go in your life. It's true. I read this story where this man, he said, I'm going to get up early in the morning for one month or 40 days or whatever have you and spend it with the Lord for one hour in prayer and in reading the word. And it was weird. The first day his alarm clock didn't go off. Went off always before that, but the the volume knob had been turned down. Weird. Next day he gets called in early for work. Right? So he's like, well, I can't really get up an extra hour because i got to go an hour early for work. Now, the third day, sickness came. Eventually, he completely forgot what God had called him to do and moved him to go. It says in Paul, uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we're, we are not unaware of the devil's schemes. Are you aware of the schemes that he has planned for you during your fast? In Matthew 4.1, it says, Then the Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil, and after spending 40 days and nights without food, Jesus was hungry. So he's going to tempt you. He's going to tempt you before your fast, saying, oh, you can't do it. This is an old ritual. You don't want to do this fast. He's going to tempt you during your fast, and he's going to tempt you even more so after your fast. How many of us have gone to Breakforth or gone to a conference or a men's group or fasted, and we're so filled with the Holy Spirit, we're on fire, right? You're contagious of the Holy Spirit. Satan hates that because people see that. So as you prepare to fast, I encourage you to pray for wisdom and strength. Wisdom to recognize the devil's schemes 
and the strength to overcome them. Have somebody as an accountability partner. Tell somebody what God has put in your heart to lead you to do so you don't lose hope, so you don't lose track of what God has planned for you. And praise God, because Satan is already beaten. And we have a body of believers here with various gifts that you can tap into and use that. Come out to the nightly uh, prayers. Use whatever resources you have and don't lose hope. I was almost undone by an Egg McMuffin, people. Okay? And it starts small and it's funny, but remember, Satan isn't Yosemite Sam on Bugs Bunny Saturday morning we're eating Captain Crunch. He's not like that. He's a real thing. And he's going to be present. You're going to see him when you fast. So I encourage you all, and I'm so excited. I'm excited to see what God has planned for this church and for you when we fast. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. My friends, January the 11th is coming quickly. We're fasting from January 11th to the 31st of January. And I just encourage you this morning to stand in that place and say again, God, what would you have for me and my family? You know, it's amazing to me how, how even as we get ready for the fast, how our children say, hey, we want to fast too. And we're like, you know what, you guys are too young to fast food. We don't want you to do that at this time. And they say, okay, you know, and Mackenzie sits in that place and says, Dad, I want to fast candy. Now, Mackenzie is a candy addict. It's just like, I think that's, she would live off of it if she could. And for her, that's a big deal to be able to stand in that place and say, God, I want you. It's amazing. You know, Mackenzie wrote, I, I, I think I told you, Mackenzie wrote kind of her first worship song there a little while ago. And she was singing that around the house. Well, you know what, uh, the other day, Liberty wrote a worship song, and she, she comes up to her mom, and she has this, Liberty's three, she comes up to her mom, and she has this little booklet about like this with just a bunch of blank papers on it, and she just scribbled on, on each page, just scribbles on each single page, and she comes up, and she says, here, mom, and Cindy says, what's this? She says, it's a worship song I wrote, and she says, really? She says, what does it say? And as Libby said what it said, Cindy wrote down the words, that's amazing, do you have that here? Do you, do you remember? I pretty much remember. It said, um, it said, Jesus, I'm sorry in my heart. I'm sorry in my heart. I love you. I love you. It said, I know I'm not afraid. Because fear is not real. It's only in my dream. And you're real. I love you. I love you. Yes, yes, yes. Our children are not too young to experience the Holy Spirit. Because our kids have the same Holy Ghost that we have. There's no junior-sized version. Parents, model it. Prepare our families for warfare. Teach them that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. Teach them how to let go of offenses. Teach them when, when people at school say mean things to them, that it's not the person that's saying it, but there's a spirit behind it that they need to pray against. Because they won't learn unless we do the teaching. Would you stand with me?
We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.